The Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. We are joined by our very special guest, Kate McGarry, and she's going to be talking about a number of things. She's had several albums, but this is her first trio album. It's called The Subject Tonight is Love, and she'll be performing with the trio February 2nd and 3rd at the Velvet Note in Alpharetta, Georgia, just outside of Atlanta. And she's been called a jazz vocalist, but according to NPR, she's hard to pin down. But we have her right here. Thanks so much for spending time with us. You're welcome. How you doing? You pinned me down. <laughs> I, I what you down? I pinned you down. You pinned me down. <laughs> well, it's good Just to like have you. Like NPR said. Oh, thanks a lot. Yeah, yeah. We're uh, we're really excited to be releasing this new this new music. It's a it's a very different kind of uh, ensemble for me. I'm used to working either with my husband as a duo. My husband Keith is the guitarist and bassist on the project, and we've been playing together for about 14 years. But um, uh, this time. I, I usually either play with just him or with a full band with, you know, bass and drums, et cetera. But um, for this, we we invited our friend Gary Versace, who's a really uh, incredible um, accordionist and pianist and organist and keyboardist. And we just had a field day. And I think it's safe to assume that of all of the songs that have been written in the history of song, Probably love is the most common theme. I will agree with that. <laughs> so what made you decide, let's make this album, the subject tonight is love? Well, um, even though so many songs are written about love, about maybe romantic love, I think that um, uh, love is the substratum for, for everything in our lives, whether not just ro- romance, but um, I-, I think it's the energy that everything's made out of, not to be too <laughs> woo-woo about anything, but that's that's my uh, experience. And so I, I think that that, uh, the, that subject can weave through our lives in, in, in so many ways, besides the, the uh, other than the, you know, uh, the regular way that we think of a, a love song. So so many things are, are love songs to me. They just they just look at different perspectives of love. One would assume with the last name McGarry that you're of Irish descent. I was hoping you could that tell us correct. a little bit about your background, your early days. Sure. I grew up in Cape Cod, Massachusetts, in um, Hyannis, and um, I'm one of uh, 10 children, and I'm Irish-American, and my parents used to sing and they, they, they had both had beautiful voices. They just would sing, just hanging around the house and singing was kind of the thing that we all did together. And it was a, a way that I think it, it brought us together as a family so many times. If somebody was sick, if somebody was, you know, um, just in different, in different circumstances, there was a lot of chaos when you have 12 people in a, very small house with one bathroom, but um, I think music was one of the things that helped us kind of stay close to each other and to feel connected. And and to me, that's that's why, and that's part of the reason why I sing now is that it feels like 
the world is kind of an extension of my of my uh, family of origin, and um, and that feels like the way to keep close to it is to sing, you know. And my parents, we used to have some Irish Irish people who who musicians who would come to the town and would sing at local clubs, and we got really close with them. So they would stay at our house, and we learned all of the songs and used to sing those songs together. So I have a a really um, rich history with Celtic music, and I've always felt like it was my second kind of language for me. And on that note, I'm hoping you can tell us about this song that's on the album, Whiskey, You're the Devil. Sure, that's part of a medley. It's called uh, the medley is "Climb Down." That's a song I wrote, and then "Whiskey or the Devil" is sort of the tag end of that song. And the the first part of it, they they have to go together because the first part is um, I'm is a song I wrote to my Irish ancestors, and they, you know, using the allegory of a of a family tree and saying that the you know that the ancestors were are kind of sitting in my family tree and I'm trying to get them to come down because sometimes I feel that presence sort of haunting me and uh, not in a, you know, horrible way, but sort of, you know, how you might feel your ancestors kind of calling to you, giving you uh, suggestions or, or, or sort of saying pointers of how, how you should, how you should be living. And, and so it was, it was a song to, to them, and then in the end, I I wanted to tie it together with a song that I I learned that um, is a it's it's an Irish drinking song, but it's also a, a song that talks about you know soldiers going to war, and it talks about the ghosts and that you know get left behind, and I thought it was a a, a, a fitting one to go with the song that I had written about because that was about ancestors and and uh, the ghosts of, of your ancestors talking to them. So that's how that came about. And I'm also hoping you can tell us about the the song there, Fair Weather. Yeah. Did you, you had a listen to that one? How'd you like it? I liked it very much. Yeah. Fair Weather is um, a ballad. It's a jazz ballad written by Benny Golson and Kenny Dorham. And, um, it was originally fe- featured in the movie Round Midnight, which was about Dexter Gordon's life. And Herbie Hancock was the person who put together the music for that project. And when I, Chet Baker sang the song originally, and when I heard that song, you know, maybe 25, 30 years ago, it struck me so deeply and I've always wanted to uh, record it. And now it, it feels even more relevant because it, it talks about... Um, the lyric says, when we walk side by side like brothers, old glory will stand up and whirl. So it 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 talks about brotherhood and sisterhood and uh, the treating our, our our neighbors as we would want to be treated and not looking at people so much as the other. That's a special kind of, of love um, that I think is, is real relevant right now. Yeah. You know, it was a, a few days ago, I was doing an interview with a jazz trombonist named Dan Barrett, and he was saying that mm-hmm. in many ways, being a jazz artist has been difficult because he said, I would look and there would be a rock band and they would have a full page article. 
and he's just an incredible photo uh, display. And then he said our band would get a little blurb. <laughs> and yeah. I'm yeah. curious to know what you think about that. Do you think that jazz artists are sometimes kind of treated as an afterthought? Well, it's a it's a fact that at this point in our in our culture, uh, jazz is not as um, it's not as widely listened to, and I'm always hoping that it's going to, you know, make some kind of renaissance. I mean, it does in different ways, like Diana Krall brought people back to a, a, a appreciation for standards, and um, but, you know, it hasn't been like it was in when it first started, you know, and when it, came, when it first was the popular music. It's kind of moved on since that time, and so it's always it's always had a smaller share of the of the public's ear. However, it's my feeling that that in order that it's it's such a valuable part of our culture, and that it should be supported by the society in order to keep flourishing. Even if it's not the kind of thing that everyone's going to listen to as popular music, it's still many of of today's best musicians. They you know they studied jazz or they. The, it, the jazz aspect of music can inform and, and help um, widen people's musical perspective. So it, it even if it's not going to be that popular, it will still keep influencing and and um, helping our culture. Um, so I think that it deserves our, our support and our attention, and I keep hoping that it's going to get more of that. As mentioned at the top of the interview, you're going to be performing in Alpharetta, Georgia on Feb- February 2nd and the 3rd at the Velvet Note. And mm-hmm. I'm very curious to know. Is that nearby you? I'm, is, is that nearby you or where, where are you located? You're in Kansas or? <laughs> no, um, oh. I'm not far from there. No. Oh, I, okay, great. Not That's at wonderful. all. <laughs> I was trying to, I, I, I hadn't placed the. The interview came up so suddenly. I hadn't placed where you were, where you were calling from, where you were located. But um, it's in the Atlanta area. That's great. We're also going to be playing in New York City on Valentine's Day. So if any of your listeners are up there, we'll be at the Jazz Standard on Valentine's Day. Oh, very nice. Um, yeah, and then we'll be playing in Durham, North Carolina, on February seventeenth and eighteenth. So we've got some nice shows coming up but i interrupted you what were you saying oh no it's quite all right i appreciate you giving us all those dates because we do have listeners in a lot of different places but i was gonna see if you could kind of let us see things and experience things from your vantage point and what i mean is i know what it is to see a show but for kate mcgarry what are you thinking Mm -hmm. what are you feeling when you go on stage well, my when I put a show together, it's my hope that I'm going to, and my intention and my plan is to help the whoever is chosen to spend that evening with us, which is a, is a you know commitment. It's a commitment of time and money and energy just to get out of the house and go somewhere. So when people make that kind of commitment, I'm. I feel very committed to uh, whoever comes to my show that they 
have a, an experience that is really emotionally full, meaning I like I like to have people be able to experience a, a really wide range of human feelings and emotions and and for them to be able to connect with memories from their past and maybe for people to be able to feel, you know, safe to feel sadness if they feel sadness or to cry if they feel like crying or to laugh or to yell or, you know, that it be a, a space where people feel emotionally free. And that is my intention when I'm singing is to is to experience that place of freedom and through the through my communication with the other musicians that's something that's we haven't really talked about yet but it really happens because of a combination of factors and and the and the musicians I'm playing with are the main one if the musicians might like for instance Gary and Keith who I will be touring with are both exquisitely nuanced musicians so when they they're they're listening to me they're listening to each other and everyone is very sensitive and willing to take chances and skilled at their instruments so that's a, that's a really good combination so you don't have people just kind of being like a bull in a china shop just saying this is how the song's going to go it's more like how is the song going to go tonight how is everyone what is the mood in the audience what's our mood all of those things are going to influence the, how we sing the song that time and how it, how it comes out and how we improvise on it. So I'm looking for a space that feels, I'm looking to create a space that feels free and that feels uplifting and also emotionally open. And that's my hope of what people will experience. What are some of the things that you notice about an audience when you're looking out there? Well, one thing is I do most, I mean, because I sing jazz, I'm, I'm, it's primarily, it's not necessarily a younger person's music. So I don't tend to see that many people staring at their phones, but when there's younger people there, I think they tend to, they tend to not realize that, you know what I mean? Like that, that, that's, that you can see them. <laughs> so, so I usually ask you know, ask people to, or, or usually if it's a concert, someone has said, you know, uh, no phones and turn off your phones, but every once in a while at a club, I'll see a young person with a phone out and, and it's just, it's kind of like, Oh goodness. You know, you don't realize that, that how much that, that changes the atmosphere. If you're interacting with that screen instead of with the musicians, but people are used to multitasking young people a lot more than maybe old people, older people are. But, um, Oh, you know what? Now I've forgotten what you asked me. <laughs> do you remember that, what your question was? <laughs> I've kind of... What do you yeah. notice about a crowd when you're, when you're oh, performing? What do I notice a crowd? Okay, so I notice if they're, if they're smiling. I notice if they're, if they're uh, nodding. I notice if they're responding to the rhythms that we're playing. I notice if they're holding their, you know, somebody's hand. I, I notice, you know how they're how engaged they are and and if they're if they're feeling engaged and so and that's you know my hope is to is for people to be engaged and and usually it's it's very it is very engaged and i often have see look out and i see people wiping away a tear and 
at different songs and then laughing at different songs. So that's really nice. I feel I see people emotionally engaged. I like that. After the show, when people approach you, what is that like when you connect and you get to look at them eyeball to eyeball? <laughs> it's it's very sweet and it's humbling. I mean, I've had people just come up and throw themselves into my arms and, and weep. <laughs> and that's it's very humbling and you feel that's, you know, that you feel like you've really connected with with um, people and and that you've offered them something that's useful, you know. I tend to do, you know, a combination of songs, songs that are, are really fun and light and also some songs that are, that can help, that are sadder or, you know, might bring up sad memories. So, I, and so I'm, I'm used to people crying at my shows and I'm also used to them, you know, laughing and, and laughing out loud and clapping a lot. So it's a real mixture of things, but when people come up to me after the show, generally there, there's a lot of gratitude exchanged and that's a really beautiful feeling. I feel like their eyes are shining. Their faces are bright. They, they look very alive and that's, that's what music is for. So that makes me feel like I did my job. Going back to the album, lots of songs here, a good variety of stuff. And then a couple of songs that, are a part of our collective memory as citizens of the world, <laughs> like uh, my funny mm-hmm. Valentine and what a difference a day made. How do you, Kate McGarry, how do you interpret a song that is a standard that's been done by so many people? Well, um, again, for me, to choose a song is is to it it sort of happens in a in a certain way i feel a particular story that feels unique to me that i want to say using that song so i don't generally just sing a song just cuz whatever like oh well, let's just sing fat and doll i just i don't do that for me the repertoire is so personal and it needs to be in order for me to feel really connected to the music and that's that's what makes gives it its power and for instance my funny valentine i've heard so many versions of that and i've always felt like i never would want to sing it but my husband keith took that song and he knows my voice very well and we have very similar tastes and he made an arrangement of it that was very different from a regular the regular way that people sing it, it tends to be really oversung and and very dramatic and loud and he and slow <laughs> and he put a beautiful kind of beat on it that that helped it keep moving and he changed the chords and and it made me feel very much at home to just reinterpret it and the way that it sounded to me was it felt like a lullaby to me not to a child, but to, well, to a, a part of a childlike part of ourselves that we can tend to be very harsh with. So I, that's what the song became for me. It was sort of like a way of soothing and acknowledging that innocent child inside and inside everyone. And that was very different from looking at it like, you know, a romance. 
And that's how I generally think about uh, any standard is to, is to think what's my perspective on this. And the musicians have everything to do with creating that, that vibe. If they're, if they're not open, then the song will just sound very uh, mundane. It will sound just like how it's always been played, but because of the sensitivity and the interactiveness and the openness of the musicians that uh, I play with Gary and, and Keith, especially the song is able to be transformed into whatever is going to really be a vehicle for the, for that message and that feeling. Does that make sense? Yes, definitely. Yes. Very well put. Thank you. So for anyone who's listening, wherever they might be, going to give you the stage, something that you're used to, <laughs> give you the microphone. What would you say to anyone who's tuned in? <laughs> uh, what would I say? Oh, hi. Um, <laughs> I would say I hope you're, you're feeling happy today and that you do something that gives you joy, like pure joy, whatever it is, whether it's like, you know, just jump up and down or go hug your dog or do something that makes you feel joy because that is the thing that that makes life uh, worthwhile so and one of the things that i i think really brings joy is seeing live music so i really want to uh encourage people to to go and see live music to find something that um you want to hear or just the arts in general it really wakes up your soul so that's that's what my message is. <laughs> so what is the best thing about being Kate McGarry? <laughs> uh, hmm. Well, I don't know. I guess I, I feel like every day is a new opportunity to to let whoever it is that I'm I am be be there and to you know let go of fear or let go of pretense or let go of things that that keep me separate from from people and keep me separate from myself and and to just every day is a new chance to be grateful and to be open and that's what I really appreciate about life is that it feels like you can always keep starting over hmm. and tell tell yourself a better and more a more positive story about your life and then you'll experience that. That's, that's what I feel like I, I experience. Sometimes it can get, if I get stuck in a negative story about something, then I have a really negative experience. But if I look at it, if I step back and look at, relook at the, at the, at the issue or the problem, I very often realize that I'm suffering needlessly and that I can change the backstory that I have about a situation and then I will change dramatically my experience of life. And that, that is true for me. Well, I'm very grateful that you joined us. I'm, I'm grateful. Speaking with you. I want everyone Thanks to visit katemcgarry.com. That's McGarry with two R's in it. And all the information that they might need is there. And again, thanks for spending time with us. You're welcome. Thank you so much. What a pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. Till next time. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right.
The Paul Leslie Hour is hosted, produced, and written by Paul Leslie for Lifestyles Entertainment. For information, visit thepaulleslie.com. Thank you for being with us. Until next time.